what a joy to be back. I, I'm blown away. I am. I'm, I'm just shocked. I really anticipate about half the crowd here tonight, and uh, you all have been fantastic. And I, I'm just shocked. Thank you for coming. I know you didn't come back for me. I know you didn't, but thank you for coming back nonetheless. Uh, yeah, I guess you could have watched online, stayed home, and just said, I'm not going. But you came back anyway. Thank you. And uh, what an honor to be here. What a great church. And, and I'm not saying that for you to get the big head, because it's a great church because we have a great God. It really has nothing to do with us. We're a bunch of good old, good-for-nothing, rotten, dirty, rotten, filthy sinners is what we are. And uh, God sees fit to bring us together as broken vessels who God is big enough to use us in his service. None of us have arrived. None of us have. And when we get to the point where we think we're better or we don't need this or we don't need that, then we're in trouble. And uh, we've got to have God. I said it one night. I don't even know what night it was. But uh, I said church is a place, it's a hospital for hurting people. And uh, we come here. We don't come to church because we're better than anyone. We come to church because we know we need help. I need to say that one more time because I think half of you look at me like, eh, speak for yourself, sonny. We don't come to church because we're better than anyone else. We come to church because we know we need help. I'm a sinner. I, I am. I'm a dirty, rotten, filthy sinner. And uh, I deserve God's judgment in my life. You're shaking your head, yes, awfully hard right there as I say that. And that's, but that's okay. <laughs> it's true. I'm a dirty, rotten, filthy sinner. And uh, I need God. I don't need less church, I need more church. I'm not saying that as a Pharisee. I'm saying it as a true believer that I need more Jesus. I need more Jesus. And uh, thank you for coming back. What a joy it's been to be here. And, and Zach, could you help me with something? I, we were at camp. I handcuffed Zach and tortured him real hard one year. And, and this time, I just need you to run an errand for me is what I need you to do. I, I'm, I, I'm, uh, I was going to say something dumb. I'm not going to. I, I need you to grab something out of my truck if you would, please. And uh, you can take it for a spin. And, uh, <laughs> yours is much nicer than mine, so don't worry about taking it for a spin. Catch. It's over, over here. In the driver's side door in the pocket, there's a, a pack of my prayer cards. Would you bring them in? I, I want you to pray for us. And I forgot to bring them in. It's next to my cigarettes. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't, my wife kept them. And, uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I am thankful I'm thankful for Zach. I'm thankful about Blasiolus. Y'all are a blessing. Thank you again. And uh, I ate a loaf of homemade sourdough bread. And uh, Miss Simons made me some, uh, Simmons, excuse me. Miss Simmons made some sourdough bread for me. And uh, it's delicious. If you haven't had any, I think she said it's 25 bucks a loaf. And I think that's what she, I'm just kidding. I don't know what it is. I'm trying to raise some money for her. But uh, that was, thank you to her. And and uh, we've just had a great time. I, the, the Matthews family, I thank God for Brother Matthews. What a, what a friend he's been to me. And his boys, they're okay. They're knuckleheads, but they're okay. Bryce heads back to college tomorrow. And uh, well, I say Bryce, Bryce and Tyler go back. To, I would assume, Tyler, you go tomorrow? Friday. Yeah, not going together. Can't stand him, huh? It says driving. It drives you crazy, right? Right? And then Justin gets to be large and in charge at home then. That's pretty good. And uh, I'm thankful for him. I'm thankful for Brother Mrs. Andrews, and, and uh, it, what, what a blessing they are, and I mean that. And uh, what I noticed was, I like your socks. I like your socks. Yeah, yeah, those are styling. I, I looked over and saw his socks, and I looked down, and I looked at mine. Mine are black, and I'm wearing a blue suit. I'm an idiot. My wife dresses me, and she's not with me, so I'm surprised I even have socks on tonight. And, uh, but I, I, I enjoy that. And Brother Zach, great job leading the singing. Great, I, I mean that sincerely. You, I, I love your church. You got a great place. 
And again, it's not the building, it's not these people, it's the church. And uh, thank God for you. You keep your eyes on Jesus. That's, that's cliche, but it's Bible. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Man will let you down. If you're not, if you're not careful, you'll look at someone and say, he's a deacon, why, why aren't I a deacon? Well, my, we talk to your wife. I'm just kidding. There might be a reason. I don't, I don't know. I, it's, it's none of my business. It, it, but what I'm saying is that sometimes it's real easy to take our eyes off of what God wants and we start putting our eyes on what we haven't gotten. And uh, uh, like the song this morning, and you know, God's, there's some things that God has taken from us and some of those things I'm thankful for. And uh, God's been good to us. And I'm excited about it. I, I do want to mention the books over there. I, I say the books, the book. Um, I've got two books that the Lord's allowed me to write. I told the, the folks the other night that it's, they're coloring books. So you have to supply your own coloring crayons. And, uh, but they're, they're really not. Uh, this book, Pastor, I'm going to give this one to you. This one's called Balanced Youth Ministry. Uh, the Lord allowed me to serve for 26 years as a youth pastor. Uh, 28 years as a youth pastor. 26 years in one place. And, uh, and I loved it. Had a great time. And I got to serve as the youth pastor in my home church, the church I grew up in. And uh, that's kind of hard, going back home after, I, we used to tease the church secretary. And uh, we'd go to the church secretary's, uh, her, her office, she had, you know, those old slide name plates that you put in and out, interchangeably because you'd go through staff members so quick. But we had those, those name plates that you'd swap out. And, and I, would, I would take her nameplate, my best friend and I, he's a pastor in Georgia. It tells you, tells you what kind of people are leading our churches. But we would pull the, her nameplate off and we'd go to the men's bathroom door. And we'd swap her nameplate with the boys' bathroom door nameplate. And she'd get so mad at us. Then we'd go in her office when she wasn't in there and we'd take, you know those little magnetic uh, um, uh, paper clip holders? They got a little hole in the top and you, you just stuff a bunch of paper clips down there and you shake it and one comes up and sticks and you pull it out and you use it. We would hook them all together inside her little jar. So she pulled one, it's like a whole line of them. She, ah, Kurt, John. And uh, we, we just had a great time. But for, we got to go back and serve. I got to go back and serve as youth pastor in my home church, which was a dream come true to me. And I have nothing but the greatest things, greatest memories in the world of all that. And I miss it, miss it terribly. But the Lord allowed me to be able to write a book. And there's some, there's some great chapters in, in this book. I say great chapters not because, I, because my wife wrote them, but uh, great chapters uh, of convictions and standards. A, a chapter, that's, that's not a popular subject. Um, goals of youth ministry. Uh, personal relationships of the youth pastor and, and uh, all, all connecting with teenagers, counseling teenagers, helping teens minister in ministry, uh, all sorts of different things. This is really for leadership and pastor. I want to make sure you got a copy of it. So that one's yours. And there's, there's still another one or two over there of the other book. And that's, that is entitled, Not Just Your Mommy and Daddy's Religion. Uh, the, the subtitle is, Why I Am a Baptist for Teenagers. Why do we call ourselves Baptists? Why? What's, what's the purpose? Why do, we, why, do we, why do we worry about any of that stuff? What is the difference between uh, Central Baptist Church and whatever church down the road? What's the difference? What is the doctrine? I was witnessing to a guy one day, and he said this. He said, I'd go to your church, but all you do is talk about doctrine. When I, I said to him, and I wasn't being a punk. I just looked back at him. I was, I was a senior in high school. And I said, when you say doctrine, what do you mean doctrine? He said, I don't know. <laughs> I said, what you, th- what you guys think is right. I said, well, do you know what doctrine even means? And, and again, I wasn't being a punk. I just said doctrine. The word doctrine literally means teachings. So yes, a church is going to worry about doctrine. 
Well, what's the difference between our doctrine and someone's doctrine down the road? And that's really what that book is all about. Why do we believe that this is the word of God? What do we believe about baptism? What, and not just what we believe, but why do we believe it? Where do we base that out of? And I did a whole lot of research, a whole lot of study out of this book and tried to just make it very simple. Cookies on the bottom shelf for me every time and, uh, and, and wanted to do that. We've had parents use it as, as family devotions. We've had it used as Sunday school curriculum. We've all sorts of different ways. We, I told them the other night they use it for kindling too. It's, it's just a great book. And, uh, but uh, there's a couple, there, I think there's one or two more over there. If you want one, you have it. it they're, they're 10 bucks, but you can have, if you don't have the 10 bucks, I don't care. Take the book. And uh, that does not bother me at all. And uh, if you want one of the balanced ones, I think I have one more in the box underneath. And, and you can have that one too. I don't care. But just want to get the information out there. And, uh, and if you would, just pray for us. I'll, I'll, Zach will put those prayer cards on that table afterwards. And, and if you would, get one. My wife's picture's on there. I am married, I promise. And, uh, and she's great. She's amazing. And uh, pray for it. Pray for her. She has to put up with me. And uh, I'm excited to be here, though. I'm going to get to the Bible. Colossians chapter number 3. Colossians chapter number 3. And uh, we're going to look at this passage of Scripture here for a few minutes. I enjoyed one of the greatest lunches of my life today. It was awesome. It was awesome. I, I sat next to Miley. We had a, we had a good lunchtime together. And, uh, and I ate pizza. Amen. I believe with all my heart at the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's going to be pizza. I, I'm looking forward to it. I don't, I don't know that for sure. I can't prove it from the Bible, but I'm just, I, just, I just think that's what it's going to be. So we'll have to argue about that one later. And, uh, but I had a good time at lunch today, just fellowshipping and, and enjoyed the time together. But uh, uh, Colossians chapter number three, uh, as we get started in this passage of scripture, we're going to read most of the chapter. Uh, it's 534. I've got about a six and a half, seven hour drive after church. So I'm going to go kind of quick. And uh, I say that. I never do. Uh, you pray for me. Colossians chapter number 3. Look, if you would, please, at verse number 1. And, and let me explain verse 1 after we read it. Chapter, Colossians 3, 1. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Now, I love this verse. Paul looks at the Christians in Colossae, the church in Colossae. He's writing to a local New Testament church. He's not writing to lost people. He's writing to the saved people. Matter of fact, the word if in our English language, we use it as a conditional statement. Like, if you're nice to me, then I'll be nice to you. The word if in this passage is not a conditional word. As a matter of fact, this word if in Colossians chapter number 3, and this is foundational for the whole message. The word if there is not, Paul saying, well, you might be, you might not be. That's not what he's saying. Paul's looking at the Christians in this church, and the word if literally means since or because. Because you're risen in Christ, because you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. That word literally is talking about a factual thing that took place in these people's lives. And he says, because you're risen in Christ, because you name the name of Christ, because you're a Christian, seek those things which are above. Set your affections on God. Don't put our affections on the things of this earth. By the way, we all do it. We all do it. Every one of us, we do it. We are prone to put our affections here. We, we will spend, oh, 60, maybe 70 years here on this earth, maybe 80 years, maybe 90 years. I, I, it doesn't matter. In scope of all eternity, that's a drop in the bucket. That's not even a drop in the bucket. But yet what we worry about is what's going on here more so than what's going to take place for all eternity. We all do it. We all do it. 
We all live in a house. We all drive vehicles. We all wear clothes. Thank you very much. We all have, we all, we all worry about what's going on right now. That's our human nature. But God in this passage says, set your affections, put your love towards things above. In other words, God, I want to live for you. God, I want to please you. God, I want you to find honor and glory in my life. God, I want my focus in my life to be about you. God says, or Jesus says it this way, that in all things he might have the preeminence. The Bible says, where your heart is, there will your treasure be also. I want my heart to be on the things of God. There's a church that started in Nashville. I, I know the young man who started the church. I'm excited about it. I don't have the money to give to him, but you know what I've done? I told God, God, I'm going to give to him. Every week of my life, I'm going to give to him. And every, I say every week of my life, since he started the church, I, I, the Lord's allowed my wife and I to give towards his church plant. I've only been in his church one time. I don't really know anyone in his church. You say, why are you doing that? Because I want to set my affections on things above. It's not about what I get in return. By the way, God blesses. But it's not about what I get in return. I want God to get the preeminence. I want to set my affections there. Uh, look at this. That's foundational. Now let's read the passage. He says in verse 2, set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. Verse 3, why? Because for we are dead, for ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ uh, in God. When Christ, verse 4, who is our life, I circled that. Christ is my life. It's all about Jesus Christ. When Christ, who is your life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. And now Paul looks at these people and says, okay, because you're in Christ, because you're going to set your things on him, not on things on this earth, here's some things that ought to be true in our life. And he really gets down the, the, the nitty gritty here. Verse 5, mortify. The word mortify means put to death, render dead. Put it to death. What are we supposed to put to death in our life? Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Well, what are you talking about, Paul? Glad you asked. Fornication. Uncleanness. Inordinate affection. Evil concupiscence. And covetousness, which is idolatry. For the which thing's sake, the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. God will judge that. He goes on and says, in the which ye also walked in some time when ye lived in them. You know what Paul says? Hey, 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 don't you judge someone else. We're guilty. Well, they did something wrong. Okay, sure. Well, let's get the mirror of God's word out. Ye that are without sin cast the first stone. All right, I'm moving along. That's not what the message is about. We could park there for a while. In our 2023 independent fundamental circles, we are the worst at kicking the people when they're down. And it's wicked. The job, the the purpose of the entire uh, thesis of the Bible, if you had to sum it up, the, 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 the whole purpose statement of the Bible is this, reconciliation. We are to be, Jesus came to this earth to reconcile us unto God. I have no right approaching the throne of God if it weren't for the blood of Jesus Christ that was said. I'm reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, and now my job is to reconcile one another, both to each other and to Christ. But again, that's a whole other message. I don't have time to develop it. 
But I, I am, my job is to, to, to not condemn someone else, but to help. Lest, by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself self should be a castaway. Ye that think you stand, take heed lest ye fall. Well, anyway, anyway, that's that. Some of you look at me like, shut up, Copeland. You got to start driving. Look, look at, I shouldn't have said, if my wife were here, I wouldn't have said that word I just said. I would have said, be quiet, Copeland. Uh, verse 7, verse 8, but now ye also put off these. So in the first set of sins, verse 5, he names some pretty wicked sins. You say, what do all those sins mean? I'm not near as smart as your pastor, so you can tell them what all that means later. I'm just telling you those were bad sins. I've spent way too many years with teenagers. I, don't, I can't spell those things, and I don't know what they mean. So, but, but he goes on, verse number 8, but now ye also put off these. Anger. Now put off these. Anger. Anger. Well, you don't know what that person did to me. Okay. I, I'm not the one telling you to put off anger. God is. You're right. I don't know what they did to you. I don't know. It's none of my business. As a matter of fact, I get great joy out of not knowing the dirt. I don't want to know the gossip. God's the one who said put off anger. Yeah, but, but, but Rosette didn't ask me to sing a special. Well, do this. Go home. Go in the bathroom. It's the best place to audition. Go, go get in the shower. Put your phone out on the counter. Push record. And go in the shower and sing. And then when you get out, push play. And listen to it. You might understand why you've not been asked to sing. I've never been asked to sing. I've been asked to sing skits because they know it's that bad and people will laugh. Bryce, I've never been asked to sing a special. I, is God big enough? I've never been asked to do that. You know what? Because I, I can't sing. But I'm not going to sit back and be mad because I've not been asked to sing. He said put off anger. I, I've got to, my ADHD is kicking in. You've got to put off anger. Put off wrath. Put off malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Verse 9, lie not one to another. Man, we are professional at this. We can, we can put on a show. By the way, when he says lie not one to another, I know he's talking about verbally with your tongue, but we do it in our actions too. This is... This is Paul is really just kind of leveling out the ground. This, is, this message is not going to go over as a great one, I know. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. So in verses uh, 1 through 9, Paul lays out this argument to the church at Colossae. He says, hey, because you're in Christ, some things ought not to be true in your life that used to be true. And he lists out those things. Can I just tell you honestly, what Paul says in this passage of Scripture, humanly speaking, is not possible for us to obey. Humanly speaking. Don't cast me out yet. Humanly speaking, we can't obey that list that he just gave. He just gave. If you don't believe me, go get in your car and drive down the road. Someone's going to cut you off. Someone's going to say something about it. They're gonna, well, I, you know what I'm talking about. And if you're like me, okay, maybe, maybe you get on the interstate and you drive down the road. 
I, I don't know why, but there's like a magnet to my vehicle. And, and the magnet is the police officers. They love my vehicle. They, they like to just stop and look at my car. I love it. And, and I, get, I, get pulled, I got pulled over twice last week on the same night. I'm, I'm good. Didn't get a ticket. I've, I've only gotten one ticket in my life, but, but I, I get pulled over about once every month. And sometimes I'm going too fast. I'm not bragging about that. I'm embarrassed about it. I really am. I'm embarrassed about it. But I get pulled over all the time. I got pulled over last week for drunk driving. I literally got pulled over for drunk. I haven't, I've never had alcohol. Well, I've had NyQuil. But other than that, I've never had alcohol in my mouth. I, seriously, I, I got pulled over for drunk driving. He came up beside the vehicle. I, I've got my windows down. I've got my driver's license, my carry permit. I've got the light on. My hands are at 10 and 2. I'm holding the, and he looked in the window and he said, oh, never mind. You're okay. I said, huh? He said, I, you're, you're obviously not what I was looking for. You, you, you were swerving, but obviously you just, just keep it, keep between the lines. I said, yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Took off. And I wanted to swerve just a little bit more, just, just to have fun. I, I get pulled over all the time. But I'm that guy driving down the road. You know when the, the, the caution signs are out and it says uh, construction ahead, merge left, and it's a two-lane interstate road, and they say two miles ahead, right lanes closed, merge left. I'm that guy. You know what I'm talking about because some of y'all do the same thing. I've got Tennessee tags on the truck I've got here. So I can be, I'm out of state. So if you have one of those in here in Mississippi, I'm going to stay in that right lane until the, the cones force me over. And then I'll get up there and I'll turn my turn so on. I'll roll my window down and I'll smile and say, I'm so sorry. Can I get, and some of y'all are like, you, you're wicked. And you're right. You're right. And, and yet, my, my, if my wife's in my vehicle with me, if I have gotten over in the other lane and I've waited in that long line and cars are flying by me and I kind of swerve over as they're coming trying to tell them, don't pass me, don't do that, I, that's me. And I get way up there close. My wife is the one in the vehicle who she's sitting next to me and she looks at me she says, you're going to let him in, aren't you? I'm like, no. <laughs> no, I'm not letting him in. Honey, why don't you be Jesus to them? Because I don't want to be Jesus to them right now. I'm just being honest. That's me. Then usually she wins and I'll let them in. Hey, we struggle with our sin. We all do. And here Paul says, Paul says this. He says, because you're in Christ, these things ought to be different in your life. Then he goes in the next verse. This is not even, the, this is all still introduction. I'll get there, I promise. Maybe. Verse number 11. And have put on the new man, excuse me, verse 10. And put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. So God says, put off the old man, kill him, render him dead. He's no longer part of your life. And put on the new man, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. There's no difference between any one of us. I'm a pile of dirt. Please don't say amen too loud there. I'm a pile of dirt. I am albino white dirt, but I'm dirt. I am no better. I'm no worse than anyone else. And our problem is, is when we start thinking we're better than someone else. 
And Paul here said there's no difference between the race. There's no difference between the, 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 the upbringing. There's no difference between your nationality. We are all God's children. Boy, it'd save a whole lot of problem in our society if we'd understand God made us all equal. We're not better than anyone. And he looks at him and says, put on that new man where there's no difference. Verse, verse 12, put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy. Here's what God says ought to exemplify our life as Christians. Bowels of mercies. That person offended you, did you show mercy to him? That person hurt you, did you show mercy to him? As Christians, that's how we're to be known. Not as, well, bless God, get out! That, that's, anyway. Kindness. Kindness. Humbleness of mind. Meekness. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is strength under control. Meekness. Long-suffering. <laughs> Some of you ladies, I married him. I've been doing that long suffering a long time. <laughs> we'll get there. Hold on. Verse 13. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. I, I really, I almost, I'm almost tempted not to finish the message, just park right here for a while. Forbearing one another, forgiving one another. You want know to know what the rest of her says? If any man have a quarrel against any, What does the verse not say? The verse does not say what the offense was. I'm, I'm just relaying the message. Forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. I don't know who hurt you. I don't know who said what they said against you. That family member that you haven't spoken to for months, maybe years, it's none of my business what happened. But in this passage of Scripture, God said, because I'm in Christ, some things are gone, other things are new. And one of the things that's new is this, I belong to Christ. Well, what if they keep hurting me? I get it. But there's no exception clause here with God. God didn't say it's okay to hold a grudge against that person if they cussed you out before they left church. God, God didn't say because that person stole your business from you, then you're, you're allowed to hate them. Uh, teenage, because, no, not teenager, college student. Because that person stole your boyfriend or your girlfriend. You're allowed to hate them. I'm just, I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Because I'm in Christ, some things are different. I'm, you're saying, well, Brother Kurt, you're talking about a utopia world. You're talking about perfection. You're talking about being able to live a life that's impossible to live. And you're absolutely right. What, what Paul has described here is humanly impossible. I can't live up to Colossians chapter number 3. As hard as I try, as much as I want, I can't do this. Because I'm sinful. I'm human flesh. And my human flesh is prone to wander. I'm prone to do wrong. 
I'm prone to say things I shouldn't say. I'm prone to have thoughts I shouldn't have. I'm prone to do things, to respond in ways I shouldn't respond. That's my human nature. And Paul says, don't let it be true. Put it to death. Now we'll get to the meat of the message. He says in verse 14, above all these things, put on charity, which I define as biblical love. Which is the bond of perfectness. What makes Central Baptist Church a great place? Verse 14. The love we have one for another. Oh, we're different than each other. Did you know that some of you are just weird? (laughs) Don't point. Did you know this? Before you take offense to that, all of us are weird to someone. We are. Some people look at you and think, you're a kook. So a lot of people look at me and think, I'm a kook. I'm crazy. I do some really weird things. You know what? We're all weird to someone. You know what makes us, what makes the family of God something unique? Is that we love each other in spite of our differences. Oh, but they said something about my child. Well, they probably said the truth. And you're offended because your child's a lot like you. <laughs> Truth is, is we're still supposed to love. Long, I, I, I keep interrupting myself. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Verse 15, to the which ye are called in one body and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. That's what we talked about this morning. Let God's word lead you. Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. Verse 17, and whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. (sighs) Finally, done with it. Oh, but now he puts leather down. This has been a unique week. I love this week, Brother Matthews. Thank you for doing this. It's unite our families. Let's bring the family together. Colossians chapter number 3 is one of those chapters in the Bible that that gets abused when it comes to couples. My wife and I, we do premarital counseling together. And uh, we do a lot, of, a lot of marriage counseling, a lot of premarital counseling. When, when you have as much troubles as we've had, you qualify for that stuff, I guess. My wife puts up with a lot. And uh, we, we do, our, matter of fact, as a, as a young man, as a young preacher, this young girl was in our youth ministry, and the young man was in our youth ministry. They came to me. They said, Brother Kurt, would you do our wedding? I said, yeah, I'd be honored. I said, I said but we need to check with Pastor Norris first, make sure he's okay with it. And he was okay with it. So we, we set it up for me to do the wedding, and then we got the dates together. And the young lady said this. She said, Brother Kurt, would it be okay when you do the pre We require premarital counseling. I won't do a wedding unless I counsel with a couple first. And so I told him, I said, I'll do the pre we'll set up the dates to do the premarital counseling. This young lady had the audacity to look at me and say, Brother Kurt, would it be okay if Miss Christie would come to the premarital counseling too? And I was like, I I didn't say anything initially. I just kind of looked at her like, what? Did, Did I just hear you right? You're asking for my wife to come to the premarital counseling? She's not ordained. She's not a preacher. What, what do you, not, in the whole time in my brain, here's what I'm thinking. Literally, I, there's, there, you know how you can be having a conversation going on and your brain's thinking about something else? This is what was going on in my brain. I'm sitting there thinking, oh, my wife. And I answered and I said, oh, I'll tell you what, I'll check with her and see. And I even said this, I think she's busy, but I'll check with her. 
And the whole time in my brain, I'm thinking this. I don't want my wife to come to the premarital counseling. I don't want her there. Because if my wife comes to the premarital counseling, she's going to hear me tell this young man how he should treat this young lady and how, she, how they should love. And my wife is going to expect me to do what I'm telling that young man to do. No way! Ah! Uh. My wife showed up that next premarital counseling session, and we have a time together. We love it. And we go through this passage of Scripture, and can I show you this passage of Scripture for the next 10 minutes? I've gone over almost already. Look at chapter 3, verse 18. Wives, I'm going to say it like we always say it as good old independent fundamental Baptists. Wives, submit! <laughs> Don't leave, because I'm just joking. That's not the way it ought to be said. The Bible says, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. In other words, wives, you're not to submit to me. You're to submit to your own husband. What does the word submit mean? It literally means yielding control. That's right, Brother Kurt. I'm a husband here. Some of you teen guys start taking notes right now. She ought to submit. Qualification to be my wife? Submit. Hold on. Ephesians chapter 5 is a great passage on this too. I believe it's verse 22. You're smarter than I am. Verse 22, I think it's the sister verse of this. It may be verse 21. It says, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as unto the Lord. Do you know what the verse prior, I think verse 21 is the verse prior. Do you know what the verse prior says? Submitting yourselves one to another. Hold on, men. Before we get out that baseball bat and say, woman, submit. In, in the Bible, God's, y'all don't believe me. You're looking at me like I'm crazy here. Flip back just a few pages, Ephesians chapter 5. We'll, we'll verify this in the word of God. I don't want you to think I'm making something up. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Amen. But husbands, before we start pounding on our wives on that verse, is it true wives ought to submit to their husbands? Help me out. Class, is it true wives ought to submit to their husbands? Yes, it's what the Bible says. But before we start pounding on our wives saying, woman, submit, read verse 20, 21. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Then the next verse says, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands. Hold on, you know what I learned by that passage of Scripture? I am commanded by God to be willing to submit my authority to someone else. In other words, my life is not about me. Well, I went out and worked all day. I got home and I expect that meal on the table. And it better be hot. And I'm going to put my feet up. And woman, you better rub my feet too. Well, you might want to be careful if that's your spirit. Because, as a matter of fact, if that's your spirit, let me just encourage you, every now and then just swap plates with your wife when she's not watching. Always let her take the first bite because she might add just a little bit extra in your food when you say, woman! It doesn't go over so well. I'm commanded to submit to Christy too. D do you get that? You see, we, we as men, we're like, well, bless God, submit. Yes, that's true. But if, my, if I'm expecting my wife to submit, I'm supposed to submit to her too. This is uniting as a family. We're, we're going somewhere here in just a second. Can I tell you, wives submitting to your husband's not easy? Because we as men, we're knuckleheads. 
Oh, we'll work hard. But I'm telling you, if I stub my toe, it's like the world's come to an end. Whoa! Everyone stop! Look at that! Old Jerry Clower does a routine about getting a splinter. Oh, splinter! I'm going to dig that thing out of there. And everything stops until he gets a... Women, you gave birth to a child, the next day you're at church. Pretty amazing. Can I tell you, we're commanded to submit. We sure take a whole lot, men, men, we sure take a whole lot for granted. You say, Brother Kurt, you going to get off us, get on the women here a minute? Just a minute, I will. Actually, that was supposed to be the first verse, and I'm still on the men. Hey, men, let's show the love. Look at the next verse, Colossians 3, back there. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as it, as, as it is fit in the Lord. Verse 19, husbands, love your wives. Be not bitter against them. The word bitter isn't talking about like when, you, when you've cooked something and forgot to add something or put too much of something in there and you taste it and you're like, oh, ha, ha. That's, that's, not, that's not the term. The word bitter, I had to look it up. And I had to look it up in a couple different sources because I couldn't understand what it was saying. The word bitter there is not talking about, uh, about uh, like a, a bad taste. The word bitter is, literally means harsh gruff husbands love your wives and be not gruff or harsh or bitter against them I grew up in a home where I loved helping my dad work on the car I don't understand why but back in those days we always worked on our own car you didn't hire someone else to do it and dad my dad worked at Caterpillar he worked during the day so the only time we had to work at the car on the car was nighttime and so you're always out in the front yard in the blizzard of a snowstorm standing out there working on a 1972 Ford Pinto and we're pulling parts off the 1971 Ford Pinto that's sitting in the, in the front yard too up on blocks and we're out there and my dad would hand me the flashlight and he'd say Kurt hold the light I'd put the light there on the car I'm just telling you it lasted for about two minutes no 30 seconds about 30 seconds, I'm looking at something else, and as I'm looking at something else, the light's no longer where my dad said, put it. It's over here on this part of the engine. And my dad back came, what? You dumb cluck? That's what he said. I don't even know what a dumb cluck is, but that's what I was. He, he said, put the light over here, and I put the light over there, and you know, 30 seconds later, I'm like looking at the stars. I'm like shining the light up the stars. What? Put the light right. Can you not hold the light right? Put the light right. And while he's talking to me, I'm like, I don't know, Dad. I'm shining the light right in his eye. Ah, get the light out of my eyes. And just get out. Just, you know, we, we grew up in a generation where there's a lot of harshness. A lot of yelling. <laughs> you're like, you're saying, Kurt, you're a hypocrite. You're yelling a lot tonight. There was, there's a lot of harshness. Colossians teaches me that my response to my wife ought to be sweet. You ever been a, heard the neighbor like three or four do doors down, they're having a big, you know, come to Jesus meeting? You're like, whoa, someone's in trouble down there. Hey, is that how your house is known? You see, God says wives, wives submit, husbands love. The next verse, children, thought you were going to get off on it, didn't you? Children, obey your parents in, hold on, no, no adults answer here, just teenagers and down. That means you need to look at your Bible. The word is all, all, just in case you wonder. Help me out here. I'm going to stop reading. You give me the next word. Children, 
Obey your parents in, say it out loud, come on, help me out, preach for me. In what? All things. Okay, this is going over fantastic tonight. Wives submit, husbands love, children obey. One more, just parenthetically. He says, uh, verse 21, fathers provoke not your children to anger. I could park there and preach on that one too. I'm not going to. Verse 22, servants obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart fearing God. We don't have servants in 2023 like the Bible described as servants then. However, the application of that passage of scripture is very simple. You have a job? That's what it's talking about. Hey, if you, if you go and, and, and punch a time clock or, or you have a business and, and you work for someone, you're doing a job for someone, you know what Paul's teaching these people? Do all that work not with eye service as men pleasers. In other words, give it your all no matter who's watching. Okay, here's the message. That stuff's all impossible. I, I, Pastor, it's impossible to live what Paul just told the church at Colossae. Wives, it is not possible for you to submit to your husbands like you should, humanly speaking. It's not. Your human nature does not want to submit. Hey, husband, it's not possible for you to love her as God says to love her like you should. It, it's humanly impossible. Hey, children, I'm just telling you, it is impossible. By the way, don't quote me on this later when you get home. But it is impossible for you to fully obey mom and dad like you should, as God said in this passage of Scripture. You're going to do wrong. You're going to do something you shouldn't do. You're not going to obey in some area. It's, it's impossible to do this. Hey, employees, it's impossible to do everything your boss wants you to do, not with eye services, men pleasers. It's impossible to do that. So why does Paul put it here? Why does God tell us to do that? When humanly it's not possible for, there's, there's, the whole chapter, I believe, is summed up in just one phrase in one of these next verses, and I'm done. The Bible says in verse 23, you see if you can pick out the phrase, verse 23 through 24. The Bible says this, and whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. This whole chapter tells us because we're in Christ, we ought to be different, but we still have an old nature. So how do we do this life that Paul just described, that God describes? Did you catch the phrase that changes it all? The key to chapter 3 is one phrase, four words. See if you catch it. I'll, I'll limit it down to one verse. See if you can find it. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Did you catch the phrase? How can I submit to my wife like I, how can I love my wife like I should? How can she submit to me like, how can my children obey me like they should? How can I be the right kind of employee? How can I be the right neighbor? How can I be the right church member? How can I live my life to please God like I should? It's not about you doing it. It's about Christ doing it through you. Hold on, the verse says this, and whatsoever you do, put it in context. 
Paul just goes through the list of our relationships in life, and he tells us how we're supposed Hey, in your home, Paul tells us how we can live our life and honor God in this passage. He says, and whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord. Wives, how can you submit to that guy? I mean, in the middle of the night, you look over and he's like, I'm just kidding. Sorry, I shouldn't have said that. How do you submit to him? You don't. You submit to him. Hey, husbands, how do you love your wife when sometimes things aren't, and I'm not going into any details there, but when things aren't quite as lovely as you would like them to be? How do you love them? You don't love them, you love him. Hey, children, how do you obey your parents when, you know, they still don't know how to program their phone? They, they can't, they don't know how to use the remote control. They'll hit 15 buttons and go past everything. You're like, just hit this button. How do, how do, you, how do you obey them? You don't obey them, you obey him. Hey, that boss at work that climbs up on your nerves and jumps all over you, you do it to him. You see, we have this philosophy of uh, as long as I can make mom and dad happy, everything's okay. No, 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 no. We have taken our focus off of Christ and put our focus this way. And can I tell you our focus this way? It always leads to frustration. How can I be the best employee I can be? Not by living for a boss. Not that you're a boss. You are a boss, but you know what I mean. The best way I, how do you get teachers to do what they're supposed to do? Well, if they do it because you say, well, you better do it. Well, it's not going to happen. Because teachers, we don't live for these guys. We live for God. And when our focus is turned back to living for God, when I say, I'm going to live my life as to the Lord, it changes everything. You see, when my wife doesn't submit to me, but she submits to God, guess who gets the benefit? Woo! Me! And it's awesome! And when I, instead of trying to love and trying to love and trying to love, instead of doing that, if I just turn my focus to God and I say, God, I'm going to love you. God, I'm going to serve you. Then guess what? Christy gets the benefit. And children, when I determine, I'm going to obey God. Mom and Dad, you don't have to worry about it. I'm going to live my life as a teenager, as a child, as to the Lord. <laughs> By the way, parents, when that happens, what a peace in the home. Our whole structure of our home is all messed up because we worry about making sure we're right. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. I've got to do, 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 do. No, no, no. It's about living for him. I want to live my life as to the Lord. Employee. As to the Lord. Wife, as to the Lord. Husband, as to the Lord. Children, as to the Lord. Can I tell you, this changes everything. Talk about taking pressure off. I don't have to worry about pleasing, pleasing my, my wife. I just want to please him. And when I please him, things are great between my wife and I. 
say, well, you're talking about pie in the sky. No, actually what I was telling you is what Paul said there is impossible. But when we put our focus on living it for him, well, I've been in this church for years. They don't do it the way I think they should do it. Well, live for him. Live for him. Well, I haven't been asked. Okay, live for him. Because when you're doing it for him, I put that big old check in the offering plate, and they didn't even say thank you. Well, that means you were doing it for them, not him. I went out there and mowed that yard, and no one said that. Well, what you're doing is you're telling on yourself because you're not doing it for him. You're doing it for, for applause of men. Hey, husband. Hey, wife. They're at the house. Why do you do what you do? So your husband will come along, wife, and say, wow, you're the greatest wife. No. You do it so God gets the glory. And then, boy, what happens in return is awesome. Brother Matthews, you said it. I'm done. You said it. You said it earlier. You said in, earlier in the week, you said, a teenager cannot be right with God and wrong with his parents. I can say a hearty amen to that. You'll find no place in the Bible where it's okay, young person, to disobey or dishonor mom and dad. But when you submit to God, it naturally flows to submitting to mom and dad. As to the Lord. Tonight, church family, can we dedicate our heart and life? Can we dedicate our home to be a home that lives as to the Lord? God, I'm going to live for you. As to the Lord. Live for the audience of one. Let's pray together. Every head bowed, every eye closed.